Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. How many of you all are going to that? Yeah, me too. I'm so excited. Uh, I'm excited to be here with you this morning. How's everybody doing? Is it too loud? Is it too loud? No, it's perfect. Perfect. Well, uh, thank you, Stephen and Jeremiah. Thank you for that incredible introduction. Uh, hopefully, hopefully I can kind of live us like a lot of high praise. And I don't know. I got to start with low expectations and just allow it to kind of build up from there. But anyways, I'm going to do my best. Thank you so much, Pastor Lauren Kelly, for just giving me this incredible honor and the rest of the pastoral team for allowing me to share a message that has been on my heart really for years, ever since I, I came to faith in Jesus, this message has been building ever since then. And I think, I think that for a lot of you, what I have to share this morning is going to change your lives. There's some, some really practical stuff, and if you apply it to your life, it is, it's going to shake everything up. It doesn't matter if you've been a believer for two seconds, you're not a believer yet at all, or if you've been in the kingdom your whole life. There's some really, really awesome stuff, and I mean, maybe I'm a bit biased because I wrote the message, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, we've been studying the book of Philippians for the last three weeks, and, and each week we've had an incredible speaker, Pastor Lauren, Pastor Stephen, and uh, Pastor Tim last week did such an incredible job. Hey, can we give a hand for the last, the last speakers? And each week, each week we've been studying one chapter, and I'm supposed to be sharing with just with chapter four, but I'm breaking the rules a little bit, and I want to recap all the first three chapters and then land on chapter four and naughty, naughty, but you know, <laughs> what happens, right? So the book of Philippians is probably one of my favorite books. If you didn't have any other books in the Bible and you just had Philippians, that would definitely be enough. Philippians is a book about joy. It is the book in the New Testament about joy. Paul writes this letter to a church in the, in the city of Philippi, and he uses the word joy or joyful 16 times in four short chapters. Now, how many people know that when somebody writes something and he keeps repeating something over and over again, it's probably a good idea to pay attention to that thing. And the crazy thing is that he writes this in the midst of circumstances that are anything but joyful. He's in prison when he writes this letter. He, he's been in prison like a million times, but he's writing this letter all about joy while he's in prison. In a few short weeks or maybe it's a few short months, I'm not sure, he's going to be executed for his faith in Jesus. And he know, he's pretty aware of this. And you can read it in his writing. He's like, oh, you know, I might die soon. And, you know, but, but there's this, you can't see him smile, but you can kind of read it. And he's like, it's all good. It's all good. So this book is about joy in a realistic world where joy isn't easy and happiness is certainly not easy. But the crazy thing is that joy isn't happiness. See, happiness is based on happenings and coffee. <laughs> but, but joy is based on something that is so much more powerful. It's so much more noble. It's so much larger. And it has the power to absolutely change your life this morning and every day following it. And I have a few keys that I want to share to unlocking joy. This book's about joy. 
So let me just pray really quickly before I get ahead of myself. Why don't you just bow your heads and just say, you know, help me out. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you that we can experience your joy and your peace. And I just pray that you would open our hearts and open our minds and that you would help me to communicate this incredible message in the time that's given. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so there's going to be about four, five keys to joy. Chapter one, Paul is talking about quite a few things, but he's talking about his imprisonment. Very specifically, he says, you know, that he's in jail for spreading the gospel, okay? He's, He's sharing the good news. And you would think that, like, if you went to jail for something, you wouldn't continue to try to do something. So, like, like let's say I tried to rob somebody and, and, I, and I got thrown in jail. I wouldn't, in jail, continue to try to rob people, right? Like, this kind of doesn't make sense, right? But Paul's in jail for spreading the gospel, and he continues to do it. He's not, he's not kind of shrunken back by his circumstances that the fact that he's in jail. He actually pushes forward even harder. And, and, and actually, the prison guards... They come to faith in Jesus, too, because of his testimony. And so he's kind of, you know, in a way, he's kind of bragging about it. He's like, yeah, you know, shared the gospel in prison. Guards came to faith in Jesus. And, you know, things are going really well, despite his circumstances. And I, I don't know about you, but if I'm in jail, I, I'm, I'm not happy. I, I'm, I'm <laughs> if I'm awaiting execution, I'm, I'm not super happy. Is anybody else like that? Like, if, if your things are not going well and you're going to be executed, that you're going to be a little bit bummed out, but he's not at all. And the first kind of point about joy is that it's contagious, right? Like, when you have joy, and this is kind of the reason for pursuing it, when you have joy, people around you are absolutely changed by your attitude. Like, it sort of oozes out of you uncontrollably. It's, like, effortless, do you know what I mean? That kind of sounded gross, it oozes out of you. But it's, it's effortless and it's contagious. Like people can't help but experience your joy too. It's the secret sauce to Christianity. And, and without it, like we really can't walk out life as a Christian. It's kind of impossible. So it's the secret sauce. And, and how many people know that like if Paul was in prison and he was like, <sighs> yeah, I'm here because of Jesus. Well, you should probably follow him too. Like, nobody would have followed him after that. Nobody would have believed in Jesus because of that kind of a testimony. But he was like, I'm here because of Jesus, and it is so worth it. He's just pumped. You can tell. So it's the secret sauce. We need to get a hold of it. And then in chapter, at the end of chapter 1 into chapter 2, Paul encourages encourages us to follow Jesus' example. And, and he, he says something that's kind of haunting to me but, and a little bit difficult. I'm sure it will be for you too, or maybe it's just me. But he says that we have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Jesus, but also uh, in suffering with him. <laughs> How many people don't really love that idea? Like the privilege of suffering? <laughs> Doesn't really seem to mesh somehow. And it kind of sits a little bit weird. But... But the thing is, he says, we have been given. So Paul's not, he's not really alone in prison. Like, like the Holy Spirit's with him. Jesus is with him. He's comforting him. He's giving him this power. And he's, he's supported by churches that he's planted. He's surrounded by people that are believers. He's not alone. And my second point is that, that joy comes from doing life with other people. 
You can't do it alone. You can't suffer alone for very long without it beating you up and wearing you down. We have to struggle through our hard times and through the good times too together. And, and I, found, I found this has been so key for me, that when I try to do things alone, I just, I, I'm miserable. I'm miserable. There's no joy within me at all. But I get a few people like Stephen around me praying for me or Jeremiah or any of, any of the incredible people that I have in my life. And all of a sudden, I'm just kind of, I have this feeling that just kind of lifts me up like I'm not alone. And this morning, I want you to know that you're not alone either. If you're in this place, I guarantee you that there are some people that want to come alongside you, that want to walk this life out with you. You don't have to do it alone don't do it alone. Genesis 2.18, uh, it says that um, God said it is not good for man to be alone. I don't think this is just strictly a marriage kind of thing. We're meant for community. We're meant to belong to a family. And if you're in this place, that's you. I'm talking to you this morning. It's about teamwork. Like, I'm a full-time firefighter with the city. And how many people know if you're police, fire, EMS? Is anybody police, fire, EMS, military? Nobody? Really? Where's Corey? Come on. There he is. <laughs> Put up your hand, brother. <laughs> My goodness, don't be shy. Everything that we do revolves around teamwork. We cook together, we work out together, we fight and argue together. We help people together. I cannot imagine trying to do my job without the support of the team around me. I can't imagine doing the job of walking out my life as a Christian, even just as a human being, without having people surrounding me. You need that. We deal with some pretty harsh stuff, not all the time. It's like, you know, 1% of the time. But the stuff that we deal with that's super harsh, it kind of leaves a scar on you. And what we do is after a really bad call, we get together and we sit down and we talk about it. What went good? What went bad? What could have been done differently? We just encourage each other. And that's what we need to do as believers too. This kind of leads Paul to uh, chapter 2, um, verses 6 to 11. He's got this incredible poem, this messianic poem that talks about Jesus. And we're just going to read that together. I think we have it up on the screen here. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 to 11. It says, Though he was God, he did not think of equity, equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the, the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. This is an incredibly condensed retelling of the gospel, that Jesus was in heaven and gave up his divinity and came and dwelt among us as a human being, and that he sacrificed himself for us. And now he's back up in heaven, seated in power. He's not dead, he's alive, and he's seated in power. This is an incredible, incredible hope. But why, why did he do that? Why did he do that? Well, Hebrews 12, uh, chapter 12, and verse two, and I'm reading from the NIV, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, that for the Joy set before him, he endured the cross. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. That was the whole purpose. There was joy 
on the other side of the cross. It was set before him. He had to endure suffering, but on the other side of that, there was joy. And that joy is you. The joy is me. He suffered for you and me so that we could have life, so that we could experience freedom, so that we could experience joy. Jesus had a mission. He didn't just come purposeless. He had a mission and a purpose. And that's my next point, that you need to have a mission and you need to have a purpose for your life. Joy flows through having purpose. Brittany and I, we lead young adults, and it is an incredible honor. And we, you know, we get up in the morning, and I love my job, but my job is nothing compared to the purpose of building the church, of following after Jesus every single day. I know a lot of firefighters that when they retire, they've got no purpose, and it's incredibly sad. They sort of wither away. They get sick. They get lonely. They start showing up at fire halls just like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> you know, and, and, and they, they get forgotten. The great thing about following Jesus and building the church is that you, you're never going to get tired and you're never going to come to the end. That is something that you can live out your entire life. You need to have a mission and you need to have a purpose. Jesus had a purpose. You were his purpose. Paul had a purpose. He suffered so that he could build the church. We have a purpose. We have a mission. I hope you'll adopt that this morning. We have an incredible calling. And then Paul goes on to give a couple examples of really amazing Christians. He, he talks about Timothy, and he says, Timothy is a true Christian because he genuinely cares about other people's welfare. Wow. And then he says, Epaphroditus, he's a true Christian because he almost gave up his life. He, he literally was serving the gospel and serving Paul and got sick and almost died. He's a true Christian. And then Paul goes on in chapter three to talk about his own life and how other people should follow his example. And that leads us to chapter four. We did it. This is the stuff I'm supposed to be preaching on now, y'all. Give me a hand. Come on. Yay, Matt, you did it. Got to chapter four. I kid, I kid. Paul gives us a few really practical things that this isn't wrapped up in necessarily all of my points, but he gives us a really practical things in chapter four. In verses two and three of chapter four, he's addressing some difficulty that a, a pair of believers have with each other. They, they have some sort of argument. And Paul doesn't say exactly what that argument is, but he encourages them to just to deal with it, to work it out. And I think the reason he doesn't really point to what that is is because how many times as Christians, as people that come to church every weekend, we get into little fights and squabbles about really ridiculous stuff that doesn't matter? I mean, you don't have to put up your hand, but, but I definitely do this, and it's something that I just need to be like, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things, a lot of times when we get into fights and arguments about stuff, it is not that big of a deal. We need to focus on the mission. We need to focus on Jesus and just kind of put these things aside. And then um, in chapter 4, verse 4 to 8, um, we're just going to read this together. We have this up on the screen, hopefully. Paul says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say again, rejoice. He's got to say it like twice in one sentence. Be full of joy. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. 
And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and think of the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So there's a lot of stuff that he kind of wraps up into this. And as I was reading it, and he says, be full of joy. And I go, great. How? And then he goes on to say something that's also very troubling. He says, don't worry about anything. Great, how? <laughs> that sounds really easy, Paul. Thanks for that. But just read on. And point number four is joy comes through prayer and praise. He says, he says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Everything. When I got up this morning, I was worried about coming up on stage and talking with all of you, and what did I do? I prayed about it. Joy. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> and that, that noise literally happened as I was praying this morning. <laughs> and if you believe that, I'll tell you another one. <laughs> but seriously, there is something supernaturally wrapped up in this idea of praying about what you need. God already knows anyway. He already knows what you're going through. All you gotta do is just talk to him about it. Something is wrapped up in that. As we talk about it, and as we tell him what we need, he goes, okay, okay. And then in that transaction, peace literally starts to fall on your heart when you start thanking him for the things that he's already done. I don't care where you're at this morning, I have been in the lowest of the low and, and I didn't realize it at the time, but I had stuff to be thankful for. I was still drawing breath. It could be as simple as that. And when I journal in the morning, I get up and I say, God, I'm thankful for three things. I always try to do three things. And there are days when literally I go, I am thankful to be alive. I'm thankful that I'm breathing. And I'm thankful that Brittany still loves me. <laughs> By the way, she's pregnant. Good job. I just had to throw that out there. It's good, good reason for me to be joyful this morning. I love you, honey. <laughs> when we thank him for what he's done and when we praise him, peace enters into our heart. And pe peace is the precursor to joy. It, it's, hard to, it's hard to experience joy and it's hard to walk joy out if you're not feeling peace. Like if you're being tormented and the enemy is attacking you, and life is beating you down, there's no peace in your mind and in your heart, it's really hard to be joyful. And God, God is saying through this incredible letter through Paul that if you just pray about it, and you just let him know what's going on, and then you just give him some praise, just say thank you, God, for just, just thank you for today. Uh, thank you for the rain, or thank you for the blue sky. You know, Sometimes I don't always feel it, but it, it starts to move and shift things in my spirit, and it starts to unlock stuff, and it will for you this morning too. Point number four, joy comes through prayer and, pra and praise. And then we get to some really, really good stuff. So in chapter four, verses 11 to 13, Paul shares the secret of secrets. The secret sauce of the secret sauce. <laughs> he says in verse 11, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing, and I also know how to live on everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty one, with plenty or with little. He says, for I can do all things through 
Christ who gives me strength. And honestly, the other four points are absolutely useless without this one. They might be good for some practical application, but if you don't have Christ in your life, if you don't have Jesus as your Lord and Savior, somebody that you can look to, somebody that you can believe in, the rest of these things don't work. Not, not long-term, not permanently. Paul has lived an incredible life of hardship, of trial. He's gone through the lowest of the lows. He's been in the dungeon within the dungeon. There's only like this little hole where they're like shove bodies through after they die. You know, so he's hanging out with Joe and then Joe is dead and all of a sudden somebody scuttles down there and like pushes Joe through a hole in the rock and now Joe's not in the room anymore. This is the situation Paul's in. And yet he can look to Jesus, his Lord and his Savior and draw strength from him. Again, this is sort of a supernatural sort of thing. Like I don't really fully understand how it works, but I know that it works. And I can look to Jesus and I can draw strength from him. Because it's really, it's, it's not about it's not about how awesome I am or how strong I am. It's, it's about how strong Jesus is and how awesome he is. Because I'm going to continue to fall short. I'm going to continue to make mistakes. I'm going to continue to stumble. And all of us are. Like, we're, that's, it's not the point to be perfect. Paul says that he's working towards perfection, but he hasn't attained it. He's really clear about that in chapter 3. It's like, I, I, I want you guys to know that I haven't attained this perfection that I'm talking about, but I, I press on. And, it, and the goal isn't that he becomes perfect in every way. He's just, the goal is to allow Jesus to be perfect in every other way. And if you're in here this morning and you haven't yet accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to offer you that chance in a few moments. And Paul says that we can, we, we can do all things, not one thing, not some things. He says we can do all things. That's a pretty encouraging word for me this morning. Because as I look at my to-do list in life, there's stuff to do around the home. I've got work projects. I've got church projects. I've got to take care of my wife and our marriage and our, our baby. I'm encouraged that as I look to Jesus, I, could, I can do all of these things. It seems impossible. The Christian life literally is impossible, right? Life in general is pretty impossible. That we're here at all is just absolutely miraculous. But we got to put our faith in Jesus. And this morning, that same power, that same joy is available to each and every one of us. So I don't know where you're at this morning, but but it's available. We just gotta look to Jesus. We gotta praise him. We gotta pray and let him know. And honestly, it will become contagious. When I talked about having a mission for your life, it's really about sharing that. It's about sharing this overwhelming joy after the peace has settled in your heart. You, you, this joy just builds up and you can't help but have it just spill out into everybody that you meet. I think sometimes the people that I work with get a little bit frustrated with me because that we start work at 7 in the morning and, uh, you know, lately I, I always try to get up at about 5, but that doesn't always happen. But I get up at 5 and I like to work out before work and then read, 
read my word and journal and just spend a little bit of time with Jesus. And then when I show up to work, I'm heavily caffeinated. I've already worked out. And I'm ready to just tackle the day. I'm ready to just get after it. I've already been getting after it. And I show up and I walk in and everybody else is kind of like, still kind of waking up, stumbling to the coffee. And I'm like, Jay, good morning. And I just like give him a huge hug pick them up off the ground, and Paul, what's up? How's it going? Just give them a huge hug. And they're like, oh, what is with this guy? <laughs> and I'm so excited to be there in the morning. It has nothing to do with the fact that I love my job. It's got everything to do with the fact that I love Jesus. And he's just filling me up with this incredible amount of joy that I can't even handle. It's just spilling out of me. And I want you to know that that could be you this morning, this afternoon, tomorrow, the next day. And it doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to get it right all the time. I thank you that God's mercies are new every single day. And he has grace for us fresh every single day. It actually does seem a little bit too good to be true, doesn't it? And, and it, it kind of is. That's the point. Like, it is too good, but we could still, like, hang on to it. It is true. I, uh, I honestly believe that, like I said, the Christian life is, is not really, it's not really doable unless we have Jesus at the center, unless we commit ourselves to habits of prayer and praise. If we, if we grab hold of the mission that he set before us. And we just allow ourselves to be contagiously joyful people. That kind of a church will change the world. It's not the kind of church that, that goes after people with a list of do's and don'ts, with a, a finger shaking at people. Um, I just love that people are so attracted to joy. And, and, and I haven't always, I've been cultivating this for a long time, and I, and I think that I'm probably going to be cultivating this for the rest of my life. Like Paul, I haven't arrived yet, and I don't expect anybody to ever arrive, but man, I don't know where you're at this morning. If you're in a dark place, if you're in a low place, I want to be able to pray with you that God would download some peace into your heart and that it would make room for joy to come in and influence you. I actually wouldn't mind if a band would get up. How amazing were they this morning? And Jeremiah's offering message, how awesome was that? Did you notice that he talked about joy? Oh my goodness, we didn't even plan that, mate. We didn't even plan it, honestly. <laughs> but seriously, there, the truth about joy is that is it, it permeates every aspect of our life. That when we have joy and when we have peace, we're not afraid to give, right? We're not afraid to give of our finances. And that's something that Brittany and I have learned time and time again. Well, okay, God, uh, we're, we feel like we're supposed to give, but we're a little bit afraid. We have a bit of worry in our hearts. And Paul said, don't, don't worry for anything, but pray about it. Okay, <sighs> okay, we're gonna, we, we feel like we're supposed to give a, a big amount, and we're gonna pray about it. And it's crazy, peace happens. And then right after that, joy happens, and all of a sudden you're like, man, I wanna start giving more. <laughs> of your time, 
when we started saying yes to giving our time, it felt like, ah, oh, just one more thing that I have to do. But then we start praying about it. And we start praising God. No, no, thank you, God, for this opportunity. No, I don't have to do it. I get to do it. Thank you for this opportunity to share the gospel, to encourage other believers. And peace starts entering into your heart. Joy flows through. And I can get up on stage and just pour it all out for you this morning. I, I think a lot of times... We don't have peace about something because we only sort of start to step into things. And then we get, it gets a little hard and we step back. Instead of just pressing in all the way, being all in with your walk with Jesus, trusting him and praying and allowing him to bring peace into your heart and mind. Do you all want to stand with me? Paul wrote this letter as an invitation into an incredible life, into an incredible journey with Jesus, into an incredible journey of joy. And it's been over 2,000 years, and this letter continues to rock me every single time I, I read it. And if you haven't read it, I would just encourage you to go home and just start devouring this thing. It's only four short chapters, but it has a power to radically change your life. And just with every head bowed and every eyes is closed. I want to offer you, I see Paul is offering two invitations to us. The first invitation, he's offering us to accept Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives. And if you haven't done that this morning, I want to extend that invitation to you. Like I said, all the other points, they, they don't really matter unless you have that worked out with Jesus. And it's, it's simple happen in just a single moment and sometimes I, I know for me when I first started coming to church uh, I would come and I felt like I should respond in these moments and, and I kept on pulling back because I was a little bit afraid of what would happen or I was a little bit afraid of like what it meant or looking silly or something like that and I can tell you that the most important choice that I have ever made was just saying yes to him in one of these moments and like I said, with every head bowed and every eye closed, is there somebody here this morning that would like to accept that invitation to following Jesus for the rest of their lives? If, if that's you, and this is speaking to you this morning, I'd love for you to just stick your hand up for me, just in a, just in a moment, just so I can see. It only takes a moment. You're not putting your hand up to me you're putting your hand up to Jesus, just recognizing that Jesus is doing something in your heart this morning. Just stick your hand up nice and high for me if that's you. Okay, thank you. I see three hands in the back there. That's awesome. You can put your hands down. Is there anybody else? Honestly, it, it took me about a month of coming to church, and I gave my life to Jesus. And maybe, maybe that's your journey this morning, but honestly... I missed out on a month of walking in his fresh power. I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. If that's you, and I'm just going to give you that one more opportunity. 
just, just raise up your hand high if you say, I want to accept Jesus into my life today. It's so good. Well, following Jesus is an extremely personal thing, but it's also meant to be a public thing. It says that we're saved when we believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord and Savior and we, and we confess it before men, before people. So the people that raised up your hands this morning, I would just invite you to be courageous and just step out into the aisle and come down to the front over on the right side of the, the stage right now. You could just go ahead and step out of the and come down to the front right now. And I would just love to pray with you in this moment. It's a really, really simple prayer. It's just a simple moment and it's something that's going to change the course of the rest of your life. So I'd, I just encourage you to be bold. It's so good. We have a prayer team um, and I would like to invite them up to the front as well. Now there's a, there's a second group of people that I want to pray for this morning. It, it, it's the people that are, are believers in Jesus, but they need a dose of peace in their hearts. They've been, they've been going, you've been going through, you've been going through hell. Things have been so painful and, and, and you have been suffering like Paul. I want, I want to offer you an, an opportunity to just say, God, I need your peace in my heart and I want to be overflowing with joy. So if that's you, I would invite you to just come down to the front right now and we're going to have the prayer team pray with you. You can just slip out of your seats right now and come down to the front just on this side of the stage. It's as simple as just saying, God, I need you. God, I need you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. So good. Don't miss this opportunity. It doesn't have to be weird. It doesn't have to be anything like that. If you're going through it, like I said earlier, don't go through it alone. Let's fight together as a family. Let's just pray together and war together. so good. So I'm just going to pray generally over us, and then the, the band is just going to lead us in a little bit of a time of worship, and then Pastor Stephen is going to get back up and close the service. So Heavenly Father, I thank you that this morning we can find peace for our hearts and our souls and our minds. I thank you that we can find joy in Jesus this morning. Father God, I thank you that as we lift up every single need, every single care, every single worry, every single situation, Father God, that you are so excited to be hearing from us. I thank you that it doesn't fall on deaf ears, Father God. I thank you that in this place this morning, we can experience your peace and your joy. Father God, I pray for an outpouring of joy from the Holy Spirit. I pray for an impartation of peace from the Holy Spirit. Father God, I thank you that this morning we can be liberated, we can be set free. I thank you that chains can be broken, Father God. I thank you that we can walk in freedom and a type of a joy, God, that is so infectious that it is just absolutely gonna change the lives of the people that we come encounter with this week. So Father God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much for the message of the gospel. I thank you for the cross. We just praise you in this place this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.